and welcome back to the Football Nights podcast with me, your host, Josh. What a wonderful first home game this season Saturday was. I, I actually don't think I've been able to get over how much happiness was around the stadium. I was lucky enough to spend um, the game before and afterwards um, in the Jasper Carrot Street with a brilliant friend of mine, Mr. Mark Cope, sought me out a ticket with a friend of mine as well and a few other lads. So it was a wonderful experience and a wonderful day for us all. Was I able to meet uh, Mr. Wagner? I was able to meet um, Jeremy Dale. And I am absolutely blown away with what we have at our disposal as a football club. I didn't get to meet Tom Brady. That was one of my um, targets for the day. But sadly, I didn't get a chance to meet him. But I did share a very, very warm and welcoming conversation with Mr. Wagner, as well as a very, very warm and welcoming uh, conversation with Mr. Jeremy Dale. Um, I can't really get off this high just yet. This isn't normal for Birmingham City fans. It's not normal for me to feel this positive about my own club because it's been for so many years we have been the example of what not to follow with our previous ownership. And I don't think it's... It's not really their fault in a roundabout kind of way. And this is not me giving them a pass because I've been very harsh on them and rightly so. They never wanted this. They didn't want the football club. They wanted the listing. That's all they wanted. And that's all they ever cared about. We now have people, individuals as well as a collective, that care about us as fans. And they also care about the people on the pitch and they want to make sure the people on the pitch have the most support as possible. And they also care about the fans in the ground and the fans across the world, really. They, they want they want to take Birmingham to a level that I don't think any of us have even thought of. And in this part, my whole premise of this is to talk about the day itself, the experiences that I had and also the game itself and my thoughts on the game and, and moving forward and my hopes for the end of the window as well. Because I think that's a big part of what the fans are talking about at the moment. We've done a lot of good business so far, but I think we also need to highlight a couple of more areas. And I think Saturday did also highlight some areas I would like to, uh, to see improve. But the whole premise of this pod is to pretty much thank um, Mr. Wagner, his team, Mr. Brady for coming and ultimately the one that needs the biggest thanks is Mr. Dale because I truly believe if Mr. Dale didn't get these people involved, I don't know what this season would have looked like for us. So, this is the Football Lights Podcast. This is episode five. And we're just getting started. Leave it there. We're just getting started. So, on Saturday, I was lucky enough to be in the Jasper Carrot Suite. A good friend of mine, Mr. Mark Cope, sorted out me and a few of my mates some tickets. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. As we got to the ground, uh, after a few beers in Hennessy's, with a brilliant rendition of Keep Right On, just at half-time in the uh, ladies' uh, quarter-final. It was an atmosphere before a game that I, I can't really remember ever been like that there would have been games like this in the past but it just it felt like 
everybody that was a Blues fan or knew a Blues fan or was in the city or was near the ground were just happy. People weren't down. People were smiling. People were excited for what was going to happen. We knew um, both Tom Wagner and Tom Brady were coming to the ground. We knew there'd be some important people there. And I just think that set the tone for the fan base. We were just lapping it up. Everyone had smiles on their faces. Everyone was eager to see what the ground looked like because of all the stuff we've seen on social media. And let's just talk about the ground itself. That old girl needed this. She needed all this love and TLC. And that's what it is. It's a passion project for these people. And they're not going to share our passion just yet, but they're making a bloody good go of it so far. These Americans that really wouldn't have known St. Andrews or The Roost or Baines's or Hennessy's or any of these pubs that we all congregate in before games, they're starting to really buy into it. And our old ownership didn't do a single thing like this. They didn't want to do anything like this because that wasn't their remit. Their whole remit was that listing on the other side of the world. We now have people at the top of this club that only want to see this club do better. And by better, I don't know if we actually truly know the barometer of what they class as better. Because they're using words like world class in the in the way they describe what they're trying to do for this club. And it, it did show. There was, there's still a long way to go. Um, I'm sure that a lot of you have read Gary Cook's statement. The fact he's put a statement out only a few weeks after his previous one is massively different to what our previous ownership would do. And I think it's going to take a lot of time for Blues fans not to compare. But I think the ownership will want us to compare themselves to themselves. But that only comes with time because we've still got hangovers. We've still got this mentality that we are were beaten before we even started as a fan base. And that's not necessarily what we share on the pitch. But I think a lot of fans, myself definitely included, I've always seen the glass as half empty. If anything, the glass has probably smashed a little bit under what we previously had. But this group, these people, they only want to see us succeed. There's pictures that have gone around on social media since Saturday, and during Saturday as well, uh, of Tom Wagner's reaction and his passion. And as I say, I got to meet him. It was only a very short interaction but the interaction was exactly what I expect it to be there's there's always that thing isn't there that old adage of don't meet your heroes and I'm not going to say Tom Wags my hero but he definitely can become that because he's just threw himself into this with two feet forward and he's ready and it's a Tom Wagner world that I want to live in as we turned up there was just people everywhere like, everywhere. This is not what we're used to. Like, when me and my mates have been coming for a number of years, we'd go for a fry-up, make our way down and see a few people, but it'd be nothing out of the ordinary. It'd just be quite standard. The only time we really saw a mass of people was our protesting that we did. But this was different because everyone was happy. Everyone was excited. Everyone was pulling in the same way. And we got to the cop and there was all the... um cars had turned up with Mr. Brady and Mr. Wagner in. And there's a bit of a delay and they just waited and 
got the crowd in and stuff and it was it was really eye-opening how different the feel around the stadium was there was hope there was everything i've spoken about in these pods that i was looking for were all there and as we walked through after uh both the times had gone to their box we were in the box next to it as we walked through the staff were over the moon to see us they were really really nice the foyer in the reception at the cop is top it looks really nice and they've done really well to do that the staff couldn't have been more welcoming sorted our tickets out and everything so we get into the into the into the box and our um food is, is is getting sorted out and the drinks all there we start chatting and you know getting getting ourselves set up and that and there's a lovely program there a big um piece on on trevor which was amazing which i think a lot of fans will will, will keep them for for a number of years that will be some keepsakes and I've got one for me, old man, because I know it'll be it'll mean a lot more to him. Because for me, Francis was our manager, and there were hard times of being a Blues fan. We would always come up short. And my childhood as a Blues fan, as much as it was entertaining, it was always well. We kind of expect not to not to do it. You know, the Worthington Cup final, the countless playoffs, we would make ourselves, but never get to the final, and then suddenly. After Trevor had to move on, we finally did it. But it always felt for me that Trevor had some unfinished business within the club. And I never thought he should ever come back as manager. I think his time at Blues was done as a manager. But I would have liked to have seen him been involved more higher up as an ambassadorial role. And I think if this group had come in sooner, that would have... Well, we know that would have happened and that would have been amazing for Trevor and his family. But the way the club acted the way these new owners have acted towards him and his family could only be congratulated because they treated him like family and they're new to the family, but they treated him like family nonetheless. And that is, I think a lot a lot of Blues fans have only ever wanted the ownership to see the club, how we see it. And that takes time. But the key people that they've got in key roles, like Mr. Dale and... and Mr. Cook, being from the Midlands, being Blues fans, it's it's reaping reward straight away. So let me touch on my interaction with Mr. Jeremy Dale. I'm in the Jasper Carrot suite. We've just finished our dinner. And he comes over and we have a really good chat. And me and my friend just continuously thank him for what he's done and and the input that he's had and getting these people in and it almost felt like he didn't want to take the praise. Like it was almost like it wasn't him he's doing, but it very much was. And there's there's thank yous that a lot of blues fans will continuously do for for what I would assume years to come because we were so far away from where we are now. I generally believe that this point, I didn't see this point as a blues fan, with all the positivity that's going around that we can see from the club. I thought this could be five years away. Even with a takeover, these people are treating us how we've been crying out for. I would go as far to say these people are the people we've always needed at this moment in time. Things change, expectations move. I understand that. But at this moment in time, this ownership is exactly what we've all been crying out for. And then I got to meet Mr Wagner after the game was finished. 
As we're about to leave the box, we see Mr. Wagner comes out of his box and he's in the corridor. So I said, this is it. Me and Joe, we're going. So we fly over there. We walk down the corridor and we start talking to him. Shake his hand. We both say thank you for all the stuff that we've done. And I say to him, the highlight of my season, last season, was throwing tennis balls on the pitch. And he could see the funny side and said, look, I promise you now, this isn't going to be the same this season. But that's where the bar has been set. Where the highlight of my season last season was disrupting, being a nuisance, trying to get my point across. And this isn't the case anymore with the way the club is. And I shake his hand and I thank him again. And I say, can I get a pitch? He says, yeah. So he comes between me and my friend. And um, as we're taking the pitch, he whispers to us, he goes, lads, shit on the villa. Now, it these little things like that, it's little moments and that little bit of time that he gave me, amazing. And then I thanked him again after the pitch and I shook his hand again and I said, thank you so much. I hope to meet you again soon. And he said, thank you so much. And he goes back in. We're over the moon we've got this picture and we've had this interaction with him. And then we go on with our night and it's been, you know, a, a, a brilliant day. But these little moments, I don't think I'll be the only fan that have these moments with these people. And I look forward to having as many more as I can get. But one thing that I can say, my overriding feeling towards all of them involved, is that they truly want to see us succeed. I can see with the way they're talking, the way they're putting things out, the comments that um, Mr. Brady and Mr. Wagner did in their TV interviews and their media interviews, full stop. They want us to be as big as humanly possible. And when you have an ownership that is willing to do whatever it takes, that's when good things happen. You know, you're only going you're only going to get some heat with some friction. So there's going to be some bad times. There's going to be times where they try something it doesn't work, and I accept that. My mindset with these people is: we will win together, and we'll lose together. But the ultimate connection is that we are together. When we lost under Birmingham Sports Holdings, it felt like we lost, and but they were still nice because they didn't care if we won or lost or drawn, because the money was still coming in, that's all they cared about was that listing, them horrible letters all jumbled together, Hong Kong Stock Exchange, we were constantly berated by that, because we all knew that's what they were there for, it wasn't for the quality on the pitch, and when you see the pictures after Duke's goal, that is passion, that, that, that can't just be faint, you can't just celebrate like that, unless it's your club, and I truly believe that Birmingham City is becoming their club and we're all just winners together. But it's not going to be easy. There's going to be some hard times. Our song states it's a long, long road. Now, no one knows when this road is going to end because it will never end. It will continuously keep on going. You know, we get to the Prem, there's, there's new targets to hit. But the target we have to aspire to or dream of is the Prem. But I truly believe with this ownership, we will get there. They will take us to the promised land. And that land might not just be the premiership, it might be further. But we're, we're so far at the start that we can't even look that far just yet. But the the fact of even letting yourself think that far shows how much they've already done for us. They've, they've given us the ability of a future. And they've only been doing it for a short amount of time. Yeah, we're just getting started.
onto the game itself, it was probably one of the fastest games I felt ever. It was really weird. I turned to my friend at like 40 minutes in the first half saying, it felt like it just flew past. It was really weird. It was a really surreal thing. I think this uh, tribute with Trevor at the start put a lot of things into perspective uh, for the club. Um, the fan experience, um, I think, probably clouded my mind. And also the, the free alcohol that was on offer it probably did help that as well. But if you look at the stats, Blues had an expected goals of 1.56, uh, expected assists of 0.61. Um, ball possession was 41%. Uh, we had a total of 10 shots, uh, 2 on target, 5 were off target, 3 blocked. Um, standout performances for me were Dembele, um, constantly give Aileen um, trouble um, throughout the game. Um, I also thought Ethan Laird was a- an avenue for us to attack down. Um, it's also now come out since the weekend that um, Ethan Laird and Dembele were in the top three for the most successful dribbles so far this season. Laird with seven and Dembele with nine. That's going to be such an outlet for us to attack from. And I, for one, cannot wait. I can't remember the last time Blues have had one, let alone two or three or four players that could do that. And it feels like we have started to move our style of play away from what we're used to. I think that's a big part down to the new owners coming in and the flexibility in our finances and the willingness to try and improve our style of play as well as um, actually getting a recruitment team together, which has not been the case for a number of years. So, yeah, the game itself, Leeds obviously not having their three best players and all the fallout with their Premier League standard players not wanting to play, obviously would have helped the club. But I also think the fans played a massive part. It was an incredibly hostile environment for Leeds players and their fans and we kept kept them on their toes we kept on pushing we kept on singing yes it did dip in the second half that was also mentioned by Mr Dale um a little bit of just wanting something else to happen and just waiting for a reason to spark back up again I think a lot of fans did use a lot of energy in the first half because you know we had a bit more of the stadium um, full really, even though we've had the ground not at capacity for a number of years, I don't think we've even sold anywhere near what we can do in the past. Because let's be honest, it's been hard to watch Birmingham City for a number of years. So I do think there was a little bit of a oh, what do we do now? We've used all our energy a little bit, and on the pitch as well, we kept it very tight. We didn't really give Leeds much. Um, their stats they had seven shots uh, uh, in total, one on target. Uh, one, uh, three off target and three blocked. So it kind of points towards that Leeds couldn't really lay a glove on us as well. So all in all, I think the penalty for the winning goal from Duke was quite fitting. Uh, Leeds fans probably won't agree with that, but I felt like at the time I didn't want him to take the pen. But after the fact, I'm glad he did and he did score because I felt like there was others that should have taken the pen, but I'm glad that it fell to Duke in the end and Let's be honest, of all the players that deserved that moment, it probably was Duke. Um, the game itself, there's some players I could pick out for good reviews. Uh, Sunich was very good, so was Bielik. Um 
I felt like Bakuna and Anderson should have been swapped. Um, I don't feel like Bakuna's best position is out wide, but I can kind of understand the thought process. Maybe Anderson's feet was a little bit quicker in the middle, maybe try and affect the game that way. But I think moving forward, if we are going to play this system, which I do really like with the two holding mids, um, the double pivot and then the 10 with the three uh, across behind the striker. I do like that style. But for me, I would have Bakuna in the 10 and I'd have Anderson out, out wide or Miyashi. When Miyashi come on, again, he's a fan's favourite already. He gets bombs off seats. So does Dembele. So we are looking so much more exciting going forward. Our biggest issue is we are crying out for a lone striker. We cannot keep on relying on Scott Hogan as our main goal threat. I've slagged him off so much. I've berated him. I've tried to critique. I've tried to improve. Simple fact is, while he's going to be our main striker, we are not going to get the rewards that we need. He just isn't prolific. And I think he's almost come to his end of his time at Birmingham. Um, I don't see him getting a new contract next season. And I, for one, would allow him to go. He's on big money. I don't think he plays for the team. I don't think that's in his mindset. I've watched too many games of his now to believe that there's any more that we can get out of him. Um, I feel like the best Scott Hogan is the one that doesn't believe he starts every week. And unfortunately for Birmingham, he's always going to start every week if he's fit because we haven't got anybody else to replace him and that can do what he can do. With what we've bought so far and how we've acted in the window, it would be sacrilege to not improve the striker position. So we've been linked with a former Cardiff City player uh, this week um, in in Cabba. Um, I like the style. I think he looks good. He's the kind of player I think we need. He's a bit of a hybrid between a mobile striker and a target man. And I feel like his movement in the box would be perfect for what we need. But I don't think he's the only thing we need. I think we still need a fast, nippy striker to to complement them. And I think if we were to keep Hogan and there was not a suitor for him, I believe if you bring two players in that can dislodge him, then you might get a better version of Scott Hogan because he will have to fight for that shirt. Let's be brutally honest, he can put in five out of tens week after week. He will always start because there's nobody else to replace what he can do, as in his mobility and his running which, let's be brutally honest, isn't the best. But compared to Cosgrove and Duke, it's miles better. So you can understand the reasonings for continuously picking Hogan, but that doesn't mean we always should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So moving forward, my hope in the next couple of weeks, when the window closes, we find one, two, maybe even three strikers that we can get in now. I'm not expecting all these to be perms. I would take three loans in that position just because we need options in that. It would be, for me, mental to do this well in the window, to have these brilliant deals and everyone to congratulate us for our smart business, to then not pick up a striker. It just doesn't make sense to me. That That is blues of old. That is blues without a clear plan. So my hope is that that happens. I'd also like to throw in for the mix a left-sided centre-back. I'd also like a maybe an 8 or a 10, but that's probably been a bit too greedy. So for me, we have to look at a striker because 
the standout in the Leeds game was the lack of intensity from our number nine. It's not really his fault. He's got no competition. I can understand. Maybe it's nerves. Maybe he's still carrying injuries, which we heard about last season. But ultimately, I'd much rather not have to keep on moaning and berating Scott Hogan. I'd much rather give him competition. Let's see if it sparks something out of him for the rest of the season. If not, they have got someone else to fall back on. That was my rundown of Saturday. As I say, my head is still spinning. Can't believe we've got what we've got. And it just shows it shows where the club has come from in such a short amount of time that Blues fans now are probably one of the happiest in this division. With Tom Wagner's comments, I, I just can't wait. I just can't wait to see what is round the corner. Who else is going to be coming into the club, player-wise or boardroom level? What can Tom Brady bring? What is his mantra? What is he going to be focusing on? Because we understand he's a part of this advisory board, but what does that look day-to-day? Do we get to see him again this season? I hope so. Same as Mr Wagner. Love to meet him up with him again. Um, Obviously, all dependent on situations and circumstance. But, yeah, um, take it from me as a Birmingham City fan. That's seen us at our best and also probably one of our worst in recent years. I've got what I asked for in my first few pods. I've got some hope. I've got some excitement back. I actually want to go to games now. And I want to either go to some away games. So, yeah, it's um complete opposite of what I expected um, to be feeling like. I still thought there'd be some teething problems. I didn't know there'd be this much of goodwill uh, around the club, to be really honest. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice feeling and it's been long overdue. So, this has been the Football Unites podcast. I've been your host, Josh. And as always, let's keep right on. Leave it there. We're just getting started.